the farmer to the florist, from the baker to the bookkeeper, and everyone in between. Welcome to Your Country Business. Welcome to episode two of Your Country Business, the show that is all about sharing the stories and experiences of business owners and community leaders out in the bush. I'm your host, Shane Sellers, fellow country business owner, and on today's show, we're talking with Camille Johnson, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Golden West Apprenticeships. Your country business is proudly brought to you and produced by Clear Logic Solutions. As a fellow country business owner, Clear Logic Solutions is my business, and we, without it, we wouldn't be having this podcast here. So, if you need uh, any assistance with developing your business systems to manage risk, drop us a line. We help with strategic planning, improving how you do business through systemization, and also work health and safety and a range of other. Uh, services that we can help you improve your business. So check us out at clearlogicsolutions.com.au. As episode two of Your Country Business, we'd really appreciate it if you could interact with us on our social media pages. Tag a mate, share the story today, or just say good day in a message or a comment. We'd really like to hear from you. We'd like to spread the word of the stories and experiences of country business owners. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're also on YouTube, and our podcast is streamed to a lot of different services. So say good day and spread the word of your country business. But that's enough from me today. Let's jump into today's interview. Today on the show, we've got uh, Camille Johnson from Golden West Apprenticeships. Camille's the Chief Executive Officer for Golden West Apprenticeships, who originally grew up out in Mitchell in the Maranoa, uh, now resident of Roma. So thanks very much for coming on the show, Camille. Thank you so much for having me, Shane. Camille, tell us a little bit about, um, first of all, just tell us what Golden West Apprenticeships does. It's probably a good, good place to start. Yep. So Golden West Apprenticeships is a group training organisation. We are the legal employer of almost 200 apprentices and trainees uh, across the region. So our footprint goes from Longreach uh, to Emerald, down to Gatton, uh, and pretty well south to the border. Yep. So quite a big footprint. Righto. So uh, I know talking previously before the podcast, obviously, um, Golden West Apprenticeships has been around for quite some time. So uh, just share with us, you know, your knowledge of of how Golden West originally came about and, and, you know, if if you got some insight into those early days, um, what, what led to its development? Yep. Uh, so I'll probably start with the group training concept. That's a good place to, to kick off. So the, the concept of group training came about in the 1970s, uh, primarily through the construction and automotive industry, uh, that those industries were seeing some large peaks and troughs in their workforce demands, and they were having some difficulties in terms of creating a stable uh workload for the engagement of their apprentices. So the concept of group training was devised to allow apprentices to rotate to businesses that needed the labour and then when their workloads dropped off, they rotated through to another um, business that was seeing some work. So that's how the group training concept was started. Uh, In terms of Roma, it was in the late 1980s. Um, They were having a few uh, challenges in terms of securing skilled 
workers locally, but there was a lot of economic uncertainty in the late 1980s, um, which made that four-year commitment for an apprenticeship a little bit of a concern for some businesses. So they looked at that the group training concept. Um, Barry Braithwaite was actually the chairman of the steering committee and a number of other local businessmen joined him and they formed the board which then started off what in those days was known as Golden West Group Training Scheme Inc. Yep, so at those early days, like uh, once that board was established, how many employees did they have back, back in the 1980s to kick it off? So we were established on the 21st of September 1988 and we had just one employee. Um, over the first few years, there was a lot of government investment into trade training. So we did see the apprentice numbers grow quite quickly. Um, they have... Uh, probably hit their peak around the mid to late 1990s uh, and then they've stabilised and probably in the last few years there's been a bit of a decline nationally uh, in apprenticeship numbers. Yep. So I guess we're looking from uh, roughly the 1980s, almost 30, 40 years, fast-forwarding um, you know, o- over that time frame from, from one employee to what does Golden West Apprenticeships look like now? Uh, so our... Um, Objects are still the same. Um, We are here to support our communities in their efforts to train locals uh, in skills uh, and trade apprenticeships. So the the original thinking is still the same. Um, However, obviously in that time, there's been a lot of changes in terms of how training is delivered through TAFEs and other training organisations, as well as some of the changes and complexities you've seen in the industrial relations space. So there has been a lot of change in that time, but the, the fundamental rationale for Golden West and group training is still very sound today. So still keeping back to those that core objective, the core yeah. um, principles of the organisation. So has it, obviously there's been some growth from that one employee in the 1980s. So, so what, what does, uh, I guess, the makeup or the structure of Golden West look like now? Yep, so we've got almost uh, 200 apprentices and trainees across the region. Internally, we have 17 staff, including myself, and we have offices in Roma, Dolby, and Toowoomba. Yep. So, Camille, from a um, so f- I guess your your personal story, how does a a, a Mitchell girl uh, t- turn into I, I guess uh, come into Roma and then you know become the CEO of of uh, you know which with seventeen employees a reasonable size employer out in the out in the uh, region. So, uh, ha- when did you originally start with uh, Golden West? Yep. So I started with Golden West on the twenty eighth of March two thousand and one uh, as a trainee in business uh, on the front counter and um, my first full-time job out of school I was earning $190 a week like I was very wealthy I thought (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I started that job um, and throughout the the time I completed that traineeship and then a second traineeship uh, with Golden West and Roma is the head office Uh, which means we've got a lot of departments based here in Roma. And without knowing it, wherever there was a gap, I tended to get rotated into a different part of the organisation. So um, I would move into the payroll department and I worked in payroll for two years. And then there was a gap in finance, so I came back into finance. And I just tended to rotate my way through the organisation. And at the time, I probably didn't realise 
the skills and knowledge uh, I was building. Um, in time, I became the admin manager for the organisation um, and I spent, uh, I think, 12 years in that, that, that time from trainee to admin manager and then I decided I needed a bit of a break, experience something new. So I took three years out and worked with one of our local resource companies, um, which was a very big change going from a small not-for-profit to a multinational. Um, very good experience and exposure to develop, I think, more skill sets. Um, and then I was approached by the old CEO. He was retiring to come back in 2016 uh, and I returned. So back as as the CEO. CEO. Wow, that's that's cool. So with uh, I guess you know you've got the history there with the organization then um, fr- from that period of uh, I believe it was 2001 to to obviously now even with with the um with joining the other organization and that what have you seen you know especially for a uh, 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 a reasonable size organization in the region what have you seen as some of the challenges during that you know the growth phase uh, from from 2001 to now uh, some of the challenge has always been our geographical location and the spread of where we do business the tyranny of distance has always been a large cost imposition on the business and finding ways to still deliver a quality service to both our host employers and our apprentices and trainees so they know that we're there to support them um, but managing that that face-to-face cost has always been a challenge um, other challenges that we've seen over time have been um, the attitudes of uh, workers to apprenticeships There was quite a shift, I suppose, around that late 1990s to early 2000s where trades became a dirty industry and there was a big push into universities. So from that time, you have seen a decline uh, in apprenticeships. There's also been more um, emphasis on parents for students to go to university and complete grade 11 and grade 12. So we've seen the average age of an apprentice become older as well so for us at the moment that age is is 19 um, which is obviously older than what uh, the average apprentice would have been say 20 years ago Um, and there's also uh, some challenges that you see with the generational gap between young millennials stuck on their phones to you know a baby boomer tradesman that you know, just give them a kick in the pants to get them moving. <laughs> yeah, so it's that, that different um, yeah. differences in those age groups. You you mentioned one thing about the tyranny of distance and, you know, doing business out in the bush and the, the younger demographic and that. And I know, I, I think it was for the Maranoa region, there is that dip in, uh, in the demographic, which seems to be, uh, you know, where, where they leave year 12, they tend to go away either to uni or they go to the coast to try and, you know, uh, there's more opportunity or funner things to do there. So I guess, you know, a lot of businesses out here have those challenges, especially, you know, probably in the um, in the apprenticeship and trying to get the skill uh, skills and, and the people into their business. But have you been able to leverage any benefits, I guess, of uh, living out in the bush and working out in the bush um, as opposed to, you know, the, the negative side of it? Uh, from a personal sense, it's great knowing work's five minutes from home. That yep. is definitely beneficial. The other benefit um, that is often overlooked uh, from both a, a 
a blue collar to a white collar worker as well is that our apprentices that are based in our rural communities tend to have so much breadth and exposure to work, whereas in more urban areas they tend to be very specialised, requiring a lot more rotation through other employers. So you'll have apprentices that will only work on form work, whereas an apprentice out here that's a carpenter will work on absolutely everything. I guess you, it's like your work experience is probably a bit of a testimony to that yes. too, really, isn't it? Like being able to have the work experience, even in, you know, in, in the one organisation. I think it is one of the benefits of uh, business out in the bush. Is that you know, if you're just an admin person, well, you're not just an admin person. You're actually, you know, you do do a bit of finance and HR and marketing, e marketing and everything else. You probably run the social media pages for a small business. My trainees do that. Your trainees. You know, I don't have Facebook. <laughs> I have to have to change that one. Um, so, you know, that there is those benefits of, of that. And I think it is overlooked a lot out in the bush. Um, you know, and even with the commute times and that sort of stuff, like, the, you know, it, it is great that you can just duck down to the shops and I usually get caught off guard when I go away to, you know, one, to a metropolitan area and you're sort of on, on the uh, country time and look at your clock and go, oh, we've got five minutes to get there. And then you usually turn up an hour late, uh, not taking into account traffic and that. So have you found, um, I, I guess, being able to draw in some more apprentice, uh, apprenticeships and, and people into the, into the region when you go out to market to try and fill that? Or is it still a big barrier to, to try and attract the younger generation back to the country? Um, there, there certainly are some, some challenges, uh, particularly with attracting people between regions. Um, and from an apprenticeship point of view, it does become a little bit more challenging with mm. a lower wage rate, as you could imagine. So not only are they relocating, they're also on a low wage. So that rental cost, whereas if they're staying in their home community, they're generally living with mum or dad for the first 12 months or, or two years so it can be challenging that said though we've been very lucky um, with some of our later stage apprentices uh, and, and in more recent times that have lost their jobs through COVID-19 impacts that have relocated to our more western communities um, and they're loving it. So I'll, I'll pro probably a good time to talk about COVID nineteen will be um, we you know it's it's the topic of the day. We're, we're uh, adhering to our social distancing with uh, one point five uh, with this interview, uh, one point five meters. So you know, as as uh, as an organisation that manages apprenticeships out here, uh, how has COVID nineteen uh, impacted your business? Um, Surprisingly, our impacts have been minimal to date, although we know that there is a lag time between what we see in our rural communities to what's been seen in Metro. Um, we have had a, a handful of apprentices that have been handed back from their employers due to lack of work and pleasingly we've been able to find new um, clients for them for about 80% of them. The other impacts that we've seen are um, just uh, amendments in their working hours, so from full-time down to part-time or some have taken leave. Pleasingly, um, we only have a small number of apprentices and trainees in the hospitality industry, but those businesses have adapted and they're doing takeaways and they tend to be innovating very quickly and rapidly, um, which is surprising. Um, and it's a good news story for the region to see how well they've embraced technology through, if you're considering your hospitality providers, Skip and um, Eat Appy and all of those online apps for 
takeaway. Yeah, yeah. And has it affected you guys internally, like how you're running the business and, and administrating all that behind the scenes? So we've been doing a work from home trial for the past couple of weeks. Um, we've adapted quite well. Um, the majority of our systems are web-based, so the location is not so much of an issue. For our field staff, those guys have been on the road ever since they started with us so they are fully kitted out with laptops scanners printers so working from home for them hasn't been an issue our biggest challenge has more so been around our hr and payroll processing um working from home it has tended to be a little bit slower than what we've seen when they're in the office but that said it's still been pays have still been processed and apprentices have been paid on time so it's just something that um, we're aware of, that that's a bit of a slower function than what it has been in the past. Yeah. And with the challenges, I guess, of, of an organisation outside of uh, COVID-19, so as a, as a leader, you know, running an organisation, I think it was 17 people, um, what challenges, especially, you know, having the head office in Roma, which is, which is really um, – because there, there are offices in Toowoomba, I believe mm-hmm. – um, what, is there still a decision to keep uh, the head office out out in the, I guess, the, the further part of um, regional Queensland? Yes. Yeah? So it is a board directive um, that our head office will remain in Roma. Um, one of our strategies around staff succession planning is to grow our own so we have those skill sets and that technical capability locally in Roma. As you could imagine, from time to time, it is a little bit difficult to attract staffing with certain skill sets uh, into rural communities. So we've found the best practice has been to develop our own. Yep. So as a leader then of the organisation, what challenges have you sort of come across, especially, you know, being, I guess, a bit more uh, distantly further from the other other uh, offices and that? So as a leader, what, what have you found the challenges uh, with the organisation? Uh, it's an interesting question. Um, and I suppose... Being with the organisation for so long prior, those distances um, were known coming back into the organisation. I suppose in the last three years I've been very conscious about being seen uh, in those other branches, so I've spent a lot of time on the road. More recently with COVID-19, we've introduced a lot of video conferencing for all of our meetings and that's been fantastic it's been really beneficial to the organisation to remain connected to each other, seen, accountable to each other. Yep. But in terms of distance, for me personally doing business with the team, uh, I don't think it's a major issue. Yeah. So I, I, I guess... just need the strategies. The strategies behind it. And as a, you know, as someone who's worked their way up through the ranks and that, uh, and you've had to develop different leadership strategies and things like that, what have you found as, as a leader and especially growing into those things that you've found challenging as well? Yep. Um, so I, I have a couple of personal challenges that... Um, I'm well aware of and knowing about them makes them easier to recognise. One of the biggest issues that I found coming back into the organisation was not speaking um, with intent and I'd be having meetings and be like, I feel, I think, maybe, and it was a little bit wish-washy for the team and it wasn't until someone from outside the organisation heard me speak and they said, hey, do you know you do this? So I've been very conscious that when I'm speaking, it's been very clear-cut, not I think we should, it's we will be 
doing this. Um, Do you hear a little voice when, when you say something I like that? Now you hear like myself. a little voice sort of catch you and say, uh, are you myself. actually doing that or are we thinking about it? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned you had a few things there. What, what's another one? Uh, the being courageous with my decisions. Um, obviously, uh, I have a management team that support me in the role and I like to think we act very democratically. But from time to time, there does become uh, issues that we can't get consensus on and someone has to make a decision and that someone is me. So being courageous in making those big decisions and standing by them um, has been a, a difficult thing, but I'm learning that, you know, it's a decision that needs to be made for the benefit, sustainability and viability of the organisation and it needs to be done. So that's something else that's been a bit of a challenge. Um, the other thing that is a bit of a, a struggle for me is I'm very task orientated, which also makes me a little bit of a control freak. Um, so when we're talking around some of our planning days, I need to understand, you know, how are we going to do this? And learning that I can let someone else manage that's also been a bit of a struggle for me. But um, I'm four years into the job now. It's getting... <laughs> maybe not easier, but I'm at least recognising those behaviours within myself and just letting them go yeah. or correcting them. And, and you make a good point. Like I, I remember I did a, uh, as part of Toastmasters, I did a, a survey in my communication style and found out that I was 50-50 analytical and direct, which were almost completely polar opposites. And before the show, we were talking about, uh, uh, I think you mentioned uh, analysis paralysis, I think it was. And yes. and that, uh, you know, being task orientated tends to lead to a lot of uh, almost OCD tendencies that we want everything to be 100%. And it almost conflicts against some of that, you know, action jack and sort of just get it done and Correct. and they're always conflicting I think between us you know as as leaders um so have, have you sort of just managed you know I remember one of my uh, old bosses used to say Shane get your head out of the rabbit hole how do you sort of pick up then um you know on some things when you sort of go okay I'm spending way too much time on this yeah when I'm probably at my fifth hour of researching something it's like okay you are now just wasting time you need to get a decision made and get this implemented Time sometimes is not a luxury for leaders. Yep. That said, though, I'm not, not suggesting you don't research and, and make sound decisions, but you need to recognise when you're going too far and consistently the feedback you're getting is the same. You need to just put a line in the sand and move forward. Which probably goes back to the other thing you are saying about making decision and just sticking by it and, and uh, have, I think you said courageous Being decision. Courageous. Yeah, and backs that up. So I guess move, moving from the challenges then, what have been some of the highlights of, of Golden West and the tri you know the triumphs and successes uh, you know, that, that have been really good to, to share? Uh, it's been quite exciting the last couple of years. Um, the team, uh, we range from an 18-year-old admin trainee right through to those. Uh, and Peter retired earlier this year. So we've got a very broad um, age demographic, but that also brings a very broad skills demographic. And it's been great to see over the last couple of years some of the uh, innovation that we've been able to introduce into the organisation because of those different skill sets. So we've introduced um, this amazing platform. We've got a recruitment team that um, interview, screen and assess all of the job seekers that register with us. And so we have this pool of candidates that was great if an organisation called up and said, hey, I need a carpenter, we'd be like, 
great, we've got 15 of them, you know, ready to go. And we were like, why are we hiding this? Like, so we've now introduced an apprentice finder platform, which is forward facing out on our website. So at any time of the day, someone can jump on and say, I want a motor mechanic in Roma, and it brings up all of our screened candidates. And so that's been really good to see. Um, That's probably one of the highlights, but there's been a number of small wins here, there and everywhere that um, has just built efficiency and innovation into the organisation. So has leveraging some of that, you know, innovation and using web stuff, has that sort of, uh, I guess, grown and developed some extra skills within the team as well? It has. um, One thing that we've found is a lot of those social media skills are already there with our young people and we just need to leverage it. I'll be emailing through and it'll be like, I need this post on Facebook and it's almost the length of a media release and my trainee will come back to me and be like, here's the draft and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's much better. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're they're, they're definitely picking up on that skill. I think it's something uh, with with, uh, definitely with the younger generation to be able to leverage, you know, that's like you said, you're sort of getting an employee with the the skill already built in. It's it's awesome. Uh, I I probably probably um, off the topic a little bit uh, away from Golden West. I'd like to just briefly mention, uh, you know, and and discuss the amount of work that you put into some of the committees on the side as well. So, are you able to share some some of the committees that you're on um, out in the region? Yes. Uh, so, I have sat with Commerce Roma. Uh, before council amalgamation. So my background there is that um, Commerce Roma um, was not overly active prior to the amalgamation of our councils. And some of the reason we found for that was uh, Roma and the Maranoa was what you considered a donut show. You had a Roma town council and then surrounding councils and the business representation on council was made up of a number of local businesses, um, business men and women so there wasn't a real uh need i suppose to get that advocacy voice into council because it was already there because of the um the councillors and what their backgrounds were at the time amalgamation started we were like right we think there's going to be some change here and it's going to be very critical as a community and a business community for us to make sure that as we go through this change with amalgamation that our interests are represented. So um, we put in place a steering committee and um, Rhonda Heaps from Roma Tax um, became our steering committee president and our president for the first two years and um, that's how Commerce Roma has moved forward more recently. Um, I also um, am sitting on the interim board of the country university centres uh, and we are waiting on our funding application. So fingers crossed that uh, gets legs and we can have a country university centre based here in the Maranoa, which will be amazing. Um, that's about it. Yeah, and, and I guess uh, are you able to share? You know, a, a lot of those committees are all volunteer time and the, the effort, and, and uh, yeah, I guess the, it is just the time that goes in the background. So, as a as a you know, local um, girl growing up in Mitchell and, and Roma, so what what's the driving factor that uh, I guess you see behind uh, the reasons why you put your time into it, and what uh, what you're passionate about to to get out of um, the time in those committees? Um. I can be a little bit selfish in my response here. So uh, when I first joined Commerce Roma, um, I was quite young and very early in my management career. And I did 
joined because my old boss was part of chamber and I just happened to be drug along for the ride. But um, what I found sitting on that committee that while they weren't teaching me, I was still learning from the knowledge and the skills um, that came from those different people that sat on that committee and hearing people speak or some thoughts or ideas. Uh, It's incidental learning and it's very valuable. So even now sitting on those committees, there's still opportunities to learn. Um, I am also very committed to our communities. Um, I think we need to be supportive of our, our regions and it, it's important that as as a collective we work together for the betterment of the region. Mm. I, I 100% agree. You know, you sort of get that extra little community on the side of, around the committee that, uh, you know, whenever we're with other people, we pick up the things and, and learn a few things off them. Um, so I, I guess pivoting from from that um, into the future, obviously we're, we're in the middle of COVID-19 and there's a lot of uncertainty in that. But casting in mind to the future, you know, in, in the realms of Golden West and apprenticeships and, and even the community and region, um, do you see anything exciting on the horizon happening or, or things that you might be pivoting towards? Well, I am very excited about trialling some technology around some live events. Um, as you would be aware, uh, the impacts of COVID-19 will limit the opportunity that we have to engage through careers markets and our engagement efforts with our schools. And I still think it's very important that School students and job seekers are aware of the benefits of a trade pathway and a trade career. So we will be looking to do some um, events uh, through video and webinars and I'm not entirely sure what it will look like coming out the other side, but I'm quite excited about that. It should be um, it should be good. We've been using the Zoom video conferencing for our face-to-face contacts with our apprentices and trainees, just doing a check-in. Part of our usual service offering is we visit face-to-face every six weeks. That's obviously been limited as part of COVID-19. So that seems to be working very well as well. Yeah. So I guess towards the end of the podcast here, um, what's some advice or one piece of advice or a key takeaway that you'd give to either a, another you know, not-for-profit uh, or another organisational leader or even someone that might be thinking about starting up a business out in um, you know, rural, remote uh, uh, Australia? Uh, so what, what would be something that you would like, you know, that you would give to them as a piece of advice? As a lifelong um learner myself I think any leader needs to understand that learning is a critical part of growth and development in any role as you transition through the different stages of your career and not to be afraid of that Um, and whether it's learning through traditional means with certifications or short courses or reaching out to someone for help or guidance or direction I think that's critical for any business leader to do yeah and that's probably goes in hand with what you're talking about before with the committees and probably surrounding yourself with those people to you know one go and learn you know formally but then it's that it's that uh informal learning i guess that you sort of and and leveraging the experience as well um have you sort of and i guess you sort of uh, uh, led to it there before but has the committees helped a bit with that as well 
Oh, without a doubt. Um, you could imagine from Commerce Roma's point of view the different skill sets that have been on those committees from accountants to solicitors to entrepreneurs, the the learning that they give without meaning to um, to share that knowledge is just invaluable. Right. So lifelong lifelong learning and always commit uh, commit to learning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as, as part of the wrap up, one thing I'd love to do on your country business is give your business a, a pitch or a platform. Uh, tell us a little bit, you know, if, if you're a business owner and looking to put on an apprentice, um, what, you know, what do you sort of offer and where can I find out more information about that? Great. So, uh, Golden West Apprenticeships employ apprentices and trainees across all traditional trade areas. We've been operating across the Southwest and Darling Downs for over 30 years. Um, Businesses use us to uh, support their recruitment efforts. And as I said earlier, we have our Apprentice Finder platform. So we have a pool of quality assessed and screened candidates ready to go. We find that uh, businesses using our services save a lot of time and money because we handle all of the recruitment, management, red tape and risk that goes with the apprenticeship process. Um, And you can find us at www.goldenwest.org.au. Awesome. Or at 95 Charles Street, Roma. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Camille, for being part of the show. It's much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, check out Golden West Apprenticeships uh, online at the website. Thanks very much. Thanks, Shane.